Dear Heavenly Father, once again, we come to you, praising your name. And now, Lord, we know it's time for the world. So we ask you to touch Pastor Walker, touch him from his head to his toe. Guide him, lead him, and direct him. All these blessings we ask in Jesus' name. In the powerful, powerful name of Jesus, we say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. Which I will explain 
to your leg and when I, I made a conscious decision that we missed two Sundays. And I said I would rather be here worshiping God in the cold than being at home in a warm house. God means just that much to me. For I know that he will take care of us. I said he will take care of us. There's no gain without no pain. Gotta have a little pain in the game. Amen, somebody. But this is all a blessing in disguise. Amen, somebody. But let me get through this message today. Uh, for I have some important news for all of us today. Uh, today uh, we want to continue on in the ninth chapter of the Gospel of John where we have a front row seat witnessing the dialogue between a group of Pharisees and a man who was born blind but was healed by Jesus. And the Pharisees were trying to figure out how he was healed. Now this man was healed by Jesus has already told them how he was healed but they refused to believe him. You know how some of us can get when we see something, we still don't believe it. Amen, somebody. <laughs> don't know how it happened, but I, I don't believe that. <laughs> because it didn't make sense to them how he said he was healed. Well, newsflash, everything doesn't have to make sense to us, to us in order to be able to believe it. Amen, somebody. And so it is today, people for the most part will not believe something or support something that does not make sense to them. It has to fit what they believe or what they perceive to believe. They are like these Pharisees. In other words, they have a Pharisaic mind. Now for the most part, everybody wants to be right and there is nothing wrong with being right as long as one is righteous along with being right. Amen, somebody. Consider the Pharisees. They were pretty much right about God's law and they were all learned men, yet they were unrighteous about their opinion of Jesus. They were not righteous, they were self-righteous. There are many people in, in today's world who think they are right, but they are wrong. Let that sit in for a moment. Consider this. What made the Pharisees so dangerous is that they had a little bit of right in them. You see, when one is wrong, they are just wrong. When one is right and righteous, they are right and righteous. But when one has a little bit of right in them, without righteousness, that little bit of right that they have infiltrates the wrong that they have in them 
and it makes them wrong. As though it makes it wrong in them, although it seems as though they're right. And that person has the mindset is spiritually dangerous. Whenever you have a little bit of right, when you have to have a little piece of the story but don't have the whole story, and you think that you have the whole story when you really don't have but a little bit, that person is spiritually dangerous. And this is what made the Pharisees so dangerous. And those who think like them are dangerous in the same manner. And so we want to explore all this today very briefly, and I want to use this as a title, if I may. Being just right enough to be wrong. Being just right enough to be wrong. What you perceive to be right. Well, text today, I want to be, use the Gospel of John, chapter 9, verses 24 through 29. We want to look at the first couple of verses and we'll look at the truth and righteousness. And then in the last couple of verses we'll look at the, the art of listening. The art of listening. I'm going to ask Deacon Smith who will come at this time and read our sermon text. That's again, that's the Gospel of John chapter 9 verses 24 through 29. And I would ask that you turn up all cell phones or whatever electronics you have on you so you won't disturb God's word. Deacon Smith, if you might, please. Amen. John chapter 9, verses 24 to 29. A second time they called back the man who had been born blind and said to him, promise before God that you will tell the truth we know that this man who cured you is a sinner. I do not know if he is a sinner or not, the man replied. One thing I do know, I was blind, and now I see. What did he do to you, they asked. How did he cure you of your blindness? I have already told you, he answered, and you would not listen. Why did you want to hear it again? Maybe you too would like to be disciples. They insulted him and said, you are that fellow's disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses as for, the fellow, as for that fellow. However, we do not even know where he comes from. Amen? Amen? Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you for this day. Now, God, I ask that you would glorify and magnify your name. May all the glory and honor belong to you. We ask, oh God, that you would search our hearts and minds, that you would open our minds and our hearts, oh God, that we might know what thus says the Lord. To you be the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. Again, in verses 24 and 26, the text tells us the second time they, meaning the Pharisees, called back the man who had been born blind and said to him, promise before God that you will tell the truth. 
we know that this man who killed you is a sinner. I do not know if he is a sinner or not, the man replied. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. What did he do to you? They asked. How did he kill you of your blindness? Verses 24 through 26. Once again, the Pharisees had just enough of being right or just enough of the truth to be wrong. They knew the scriptures. They knew all about the rituals. But they didn't know what it meant to be righteous. They should have rejoiced that this man was killed. Instead, they were trying to figure out if he was healed according to their understanding. They were lacking righteousness. You see, God didn't call us just to be right. God called us to be righteous. Amen, somebody. God called us to be righteous, not right. We always have to defend ourselves or something. And even if we know it's not the truth, we'll say it anyhow, just so we look good. Amen, somebody. Searching for straws and all kind of things just so that we can say, well, I told him, I told her, didn't I? And all the time, you're wrong. The only time we're right when we hear what with us says the Lord. Only God is righteous. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay not to know everything. Lose class because you don't know everything. Only God knows everything. Sometimes we have to go down them blind roads and we don't know where we're going. But guess who knows where we're going? God knows where we're going. Sometimes the heat is not on. We don't know why the heat is not on. Only God knows why the heat is not on. Amen, somebody. Nothing lasts forever. We won't be cold forever. Amen, somebody. Well, Pastor, what does being righteous mean? Since you're talking about it so much, what does it mean? Well, the Bible tells us what it means. Being righteous means willingly following God's commands to love Him and to love one another. Amen. Amen. We get the first part of that right sometimes, but sometimes people have a problem with the second part of that. Amen. Loving one another. People will be mad and just walk right on by somebody without saying anything. Yet they want to put themselves in heaven. If you can't talk to the someone right next to you, how are you going to get to heaven and talk to somebody in heaven? If you can't forgive someone who's wronged you, how do you expect God to forgive you when you wrong somebody? Jesus said, you must be perfect. Just as my Father in heaven is perfect. That means you must be mature. Again, being righteous means willingly following God's commands to love Him and to love one another. 
Having godly wisdom is good, but having a heart full of love is more important. Consider the Apostle Paul word to record in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 1 through 3. He says, I may be able to speak the languages of human beings and even angels. But if I have no love, my love, my speech is no more than a noisy dog clanging bell. I may have the gift of inspired preaching. I may have all knowledge and understand all secrets. I may have all the faith needed to move mountains. But if I have no love, I am nothing. I may give away everything I have and get, even give my body to be burned. But if I have no love, this does me no good. God says, love one another as I have loved you. And how has God loved you? Well, you woke up this morning to stop the stars. Just for stars, you woke up this morning. And all through the night while you were sleeping, God was watching over you. Every single breath that you took, he was watching over you. Then when you got up in the morning, you had food in your cupboard, food in your refrigerator to have your breakfast. Because God allowed you to have that. And yet we walk by people who makes us angry, won't even speak to them. Again, instead of rejoicing with this man who was cured of his blindness, the Pharisees were more concerned of how he was healed. And the question is, what difference does it make how he was cured? The important thing is that he was cured. And if he was born blind and now stands cured, it had to be by the power of God. And the man who healed him, who was Jesus, had to have the power of God with him to heal him. But the Pharisees could not admit to that because they had to be right. Sometimes we can be so right that we're wrong. And then it depends on what source that you're using to make you so right. What is your source to make you right? Now people today use all kinds of sources to prove that they are right. But I tell you today, any source that does not line up with God's words is an incorrect source of information, whatever it might be, or wherever you got it from. Adam and Eve fell from God's grace because they ate the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Had they obeyed God's commands not to eat from this fruit tree, they would not have needed to know the difference between right or wrong. God would have set them on a path of righteousness. God expects us to lean on Him, not only in times of emergency, not only when things are, are going bad in our life, but for every single thing. God asks us to depend on Him and Him alone. 
The first thing we should do with anything comes in our life is fall on our knees and give honor and glory to God and ask God how to get out of it. If you search the scriptures and the gospels all the way to the, to the end of the gospel, if you, if you follow Jesus' life, the only thing Jesus did was depend to completely on God. That's all he did. He raised Lazarus from the dead by depending on God. He healed the blind by depending on God. He depended completely on God. And then God says, this is my son who I am pleased with. My brothers and sisters, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure this out. God just wants us to follow him and to trust him. Now some of this Pharisaic mindset of being right comes from people acquiring material thing. They say things like, this is my home, or my car, or my clothes, or my job. But the truth is, it is all God's. He has only loaned these things to us while we're here on earth. For you see, after we have left this earth, somebody else will be living in our homes, somebody else will be driving our cars, and working in our place on our job, somebody else will be wearing our clothes. We brought nothing with us and we'll surely take nothing with us. We were born with nothing and we will die with nothing. <laughs> Consider old man Joe who got it right. He was born with nothing and he would die with nothing. He said, but blessed be the name of the Lord. Even though I suffer, blessed be the name of the Lord. Even though I lost all my family, all my children, all my wealth, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't have to tell you the end of the story because God gave him back everything that he lost in, in triplets. <laughs> Let's not strive to be right all the time, but to be righteous all the time. And soon we have seen what it means to be just right enough to be wrong concerning truth or being right as opposed to being righteous. But there's something else. There's the art of listening. In verses 27, 29 of our sermon text, you'll find these words. He says, I have already told you, he answered, he meaning a man killed of his blindness, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Maybe you too would like to be his disciples. Maybe the Pharisees. And some of them said, you are that fellow's disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses as that fellow. However, we do not even know where he comes from. 
<laughs> now the man told the Pharisees he had already told them how he was cured, but they would not listen. They heard him, but they did not listen to him. That is an issue today in a lot of our churches and Today, people come to worship the Lord and they either hear or they listen to the message. There is a difference. There's an art of listening. And there is a difference both hearing and listening. Both hearing and listening, they involve the ears. But they are different. The hearing is nothing but a sense that helps you receive sound waves and, and, and noise that comes through the ears. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord, somebody. It is the power of perceiving sounds. You know, people hear things and it goes with one end, uh, uh, hear it goes with one end, not the other. You can be sitting down listening to somebody, and yet you cannot listen, but you're not listening, you're hearing, because it sounds just going right through, right on through. It's like a highway going through your head. Nothing sticks because you're just hearing. Ouch. That's why then is that, that's why then he said, well, what, what did he say? What did she say? What did he say? You know? Because nothing stuck there. Because you're not interested in listening. You just want to, you just hearing something. You're just hearing the sounds. You might as well be outside hearing a, a bird tweet or whatever. You know, it's just going through your ears. You're not really listening. Now on the contrary, listening is when you receive the sound waves and understand it by paying full attention to the words and sentences of the messenger. It is the person's ability with the help of the Holy Spirit to correctly receive and interpret the message transferred by the other party in the process of communication. You see, God blesses us not by hearing his word, but listening to his word. In Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, when God called Abram, Abram didn't hear God, he listened to God. When God called Moses at the burning bush, Moses didn't hear God's voice. He listened to God's voice. When he spoke to Job in verse 38, Job didn't hear God. He listened to him. When we read God's word, we shouldn't be hearing what God is saying to us. We ought to listen to what God is saying to us. Again, here is when we are just receiving sounds. Listen is when we are making sense out of those sounds with the help of the Holy Spirit. In order to listen, you've got to be interested in something. If you're not interested in something, there's no sense even hearing, listening to it, because you're not interested in it. But only when you're interested in something, 
When you open up the Word of God and, and you listen to the Word of God as you read, you listen to it, and the Word of God sends you all around through the Bible, you can't close the book. You can't get enough of that. You just got to keep studying and studying and studying. But oh, when you hear it, you read it, and you put it down, you go somewhere to the hairdressers or to the dancer department or whatever you wear it. Amen, somebody. <laughs> in, the, in the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 43 through 44, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, Jesus called out, Lazarus, come out! If Lazarus had just heard the voice, then Lazarus would still be dead today. Lazarus listened to the voice, and he came out walking in his grave clothes. When God calls us and we listen to what God is saying to us, then we stop moving out and doing things and stop moving mountains and whatever else is in our way. But when we hear, when we hear, it doesn't stick, doesn't mean that much to us. In Joshua chapter 2, the two spies of Israel went to the house of the prostitute named Rahab. Of all the houses in Jericho, God sends the spies to Rahab's house, a prostitute. <laughs> Why? God knew that Rahab would hide these spies safely. How do we know? That, well, Rahab says to the spies in chapters, uh, verses 9 to 11, in verse 9 and 11 of this second chapter of Joshua, I know that the Lord has given you this land. Everyone in the country is terrified of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the Red Sea in front of you when you were leaving Egypt. We have also heard how you killed Sion and all the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan. We were afraid as soon as we heard about it, we have all lost our courage because of you. The Lord your God is God in heaven and here and on earth. The text tells us that Rahab and the rest of the people in Jericho heard of all these great things that the Lord did. But the difference is that the people heard about these things, but only Rahab listened. Only Rahab listened to what she heard. And God knew that, so the spies were sent to Rahab's house. God knows who will listen and God knows who will hear. God knows those who will want to be right and those who want to be righteous. God knows the difference in all of that. Today, God is looking for some people who are not only right, but even more importantly, who are righteous. God is looking for people who won't just hear, but who will listen when He comes. They will listen when they're sleeping at night and God speaks to their heart. They will listen to what God is speaking to. They're not just hearing and listening. 
And even when they wake up, they realize that somebody spoke to me last night. God spoke to me last night because I listened when he spoke to me. I listened to him. I didn't hear him. I listened to him. God's looking, looking for some people who would listen to him instead of just hearing him. God is not looking for somebody who wants to be right all the time. He's looking for somebody who wants to be righteous all the time. God is looking for someone who has the maturity that even when someone's all over them, they still trust God. Because God says, vengeance is mine. God is looking for somebody who will not only trust him when things are going right, will not only trust him when the heat is on, but he's looking for somebody who will trust him when it's cold again. He's looking for someone who will say, I know that it's only going to last a little while, but God will get me through this heat. He's looking for somebody not who will worship him when things are going well, but he's looking for someone who will worship him when things are not going well. He's looking for someone who won't stay home in a warm house, but he's looking for somebody who will come to a cold church and worship him no matter what. Because they know that all power lies in the hand of God. Sometimes God tests his people sometimes. Sometimes he wants to know what they're going to do when circumstances are not right. Sometimes God will test us. God is not looking for somebody who's looking for the easy way out. God is looking for somebody who will trust him even when it doesn't seem right to trust him. That's when God will lift them up. God is looking for somebody who will suffer sometimes. We don't live in a world where everything is perfect all the time. But we do live in a world where God sits on the throne. When God wants to act, nobody, nobody can stop him. Nobody. No matter how bad it gets, when you are on God's side, when you are a child of God, I don't care how bad it gets, I don't care how cold it gets, when you are a child of God, it's only a matter of time before God makes it right. And he'll do it at his time, not our time. That's when he'll do it. But he's looking for somebody who will stand with him in the muck and the mire. When things are not going well, he's looking for someone who will even trust him, even when it's not right to trust him. He's looking for somebody who will listen to him. He's looking for someone who will be righteous instead of being right. He's looking for somebody who will say, I am a child of God, and no matter what happens, I'm going to trust in my God. Doesn't matter. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. Everybody was against Jesus. And he kept trusting God. Even when he was crucified, 
They said it was all done, but God raised them up three days later. Nobody can defeat God, not even death. And when God calls his people, he expects them to stand with him through the good and the bad. He wants them right there with him. Don't complain. Don't get angry. Just trust in the Lord. Trust in him. And he will bless us through. That's why Isaiah says, chapter 41, verse 10, he says, God says to him, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will hold you up with the right with my right hand of righteousness. <laughs> Woo, praise the Lord, somebody. That's what God said. That's what he says. So let's continue to praise God. Let's trust God. No matter what happens, we're going to trust God. For he is worthy of all the praises. God says that I am with you. God says that he's going to take this little church here and he's going to move us. He's going to move. And I'm not just speaking of this here. I have confirmation on this here. Confirmation will I give you shortly. We hold on and trust God. God is going to move us to heights we've never, never seen before. Doesn't look like it now, but I'm telling you, it's going to happen. And so what do I say to that? I say hallelujah to my God. I say praise the Lord to my God. I say come and praise God today. Hallelujah, that we praise his name today. For he is worthy, worthy of all pain. One thing I do say is behold, behold, behold the Lamb. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb. Whatever you do, behold the Lamb of God. sits high above, but your eyes go to and fro throughout the earth, providing support to those who are righteous, offering salvation to those who are unrighteous while you are yet still near, close to us as the air we breathe right now. We thank you, Father, for your righteousness. Not our righteousness, but the righteousness imputed to us because of the wonderful sacrifice of your son, 
Jesus Christ. None of us are right, but he's right. And only in Christ we can be right. We thank you for that, Father. Thank you, Father, for setting us on the right course. Thank you, Father, for correcting us today. Thank you, Father, for keeping us, Father. Thank you, Father God, to make sure that we keep our eyes on your Son, Father God. Keeping us at perfect peace. Even though it's, it's, it's cold today, Father, you, you warmed us, Father God, with your message. You warmed us with your presence. You warmed us with your worship. You warmed, Father. And all we need is you. We thank you, Father, for what you are doing right now and what you're going to continue to do and the new heights that you're going to take us. Help us to be righteous and humble as we hear the wonderful blessing that is going to be bestowed upon us today. In the name of Jesus, amen.